today. I am here to give you the assurance that I have not forgotten you. If we want to see the new evangelization become more than just jargon, if we want to see it grow legs and gain traction and change the world, we have got to take seriously our responsibilities as husbands and fathers and especially as sons of God. I want to propose to you then that something that our world is desperately in need of in the midst of this crisis is Catholic Christian masculinity. If you want to be a good father, then bring your children to confession with you. I can't get there unless I become a man of ascesis, a man of asceticism, a man of training. A man not doing penance, a man not disciplined, he's not a man. You guys have upped your game. You know what, guys, I gotta say, I, I love this the concept of man show. Warning, the Catholic Man Show is about to begin. Welcome to the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team, the winning side, so raise your glass. Adam Minahan here, sitting in studio with David Niles, Juan Posada, Jimbo Baggins. It's good to have everybody back in studio. It's been a while. The the last like the, again, I know we've said this. It seems like I, we say this almost every <laughs> every show for the last few mo- few weeks. <laughs> but the fourth quarter of the year for us is always just incredibly insane. And so yeah, it's, it is we all haven't crazy. been able to hang out for you know for a while and. You're you've just finished in the process of being, of moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Juan is still in the process of you know getting his house re remodeled. I was gonna say redesign, and I was like, nope, that's not right. Remodeled. We just decided to <laughs> redesign the whole move house. Some rooms around. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, it's good to have everybody back. Good to, good to have you here, Jim. Thank you. Jim is our bodyguard. He also is our shipping logistics manager. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who uh, ships all of the. Catholic Man Show Glenn Karen glasses that have the Catholic Man Show logo etched with lasers into the most beautiful, scientifically proven whiskey glass to enhance your whiskey. He's uh, also the sole creator and publisher of the Yummy Scale. Mm, that's yeah. uh, on whiskey, and maybe the only enforcer. Yeah, maybe the only user. Yeah. of the Yummy Scale. I don't right. know. It's hard to say. All right. So if you, uh, but I think it might catch on. Don't. We're like two years in. We'll see. Yeah. Sometimes it, sometimes there's a lag, right? <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but if you go to uh, patreon.com slash the Catholic Man Show, support the show, we'll send you some really cool thank you gifts. We have like over 60 different uh, audiobooks or interviews that we've done. Um, one of them being one of the gifts that we offer is, like I said, the, the Glen Karen glass. We also have some beer, beer glasses, things like that. We have a new... A sweatshirt coming out soon. I'm yeah. Really excited about. I think if you dig Lepanto, you're going to dig this. Yeah, I think we're going to make it just a limited edition, a right. limited run. Oh, I'm I'm going to have so, to order like four, so yeah. that I don't run out. Right. So um, anyway, go go check us out. Also, as many of you know, we wrote a book with our wives called "Living Beyond Sunday: Making Your Home a Holy Place" uh, by Ascension Press. If you've ordered the book, I would like to ask you. I'd like to say one. Thank you so much for for thank the, you for the order. But then also, I would like to ask if you would to spend like two seconds to get on Amazon and send us a review of the book, write a review for the book, or on Ascension Press uh, that helps promote the book. And you know, you might consider saying something like, "This is the best book I've ever read, rivaled only by the Bible and the Catechism." It's I mean, like Bible, you know, Catechism. I'm not putting words in your mouth, right? But just you know. Consider something that. Like you might that. consider that, right? So, so we're talking about kingship today. We're going to talk about king, kingship this evening. See, uh, and I love this. Doesn't happen near as much anymore. We're what? Uh, how many years into the show? I don't know. I've lost uh, count. S- six years, almost seven years into the show. Six and a half years. We were young men when we started. Yes, uh, uh, and so very rarely now do we get to have a drink that really. Uh, Compliments the topic. Yeah. 
you know, that it's like, oh, yes, this goes together well. Because we've done most of them. The ones that you think you're thinking of, like, oh, have you done that? Yes, we have. We've done it. Uh, it's, you know, six and a half years of, of content. So, uh, but this one, I, I've never heard of this whiskey before. Uh, it's called Spice King. Have you heard of Spice King? I have not. It's a blended scotch, and it is um, produced by the uh, Weems family. Okay. Uh, it says the name means caves in Scott and evokes a rocky shore of Fife, where the family seat of Weems Castle has looked out over the sea for over 800 years. Uh, the Spice King is a result of their long-standing passion for whiskey, where their each cask is rigorously selected and blended together to create a malt whiskey noted for its sweet, spicy character. Uh, I have some tasting notes as well, but let's cheers, and then, and then we can okay. do that. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. Cheers. Cheers to Jesus. Cheers. 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 Hey, cheers, y'all. So this is about a $65, $70 bottle of, of scotch. Okay. It's a 12-year. Even though it's blended, I think it's, it's unique that it says... It's aged twelve years as a blend because most of the time they don't they don't do that. As oh, so they blend it and then age it? No, 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 no. It's a blend, but the the youngest blend. Oh, okay. Is yeah. twelve years. Okay. A lot of them nowadays don't do that. They don't, yeah, well, they don't mention the, ne- the age. unless yeah, if it's not notable, because a lot of times the youngest the youngest component is you know really it's not it's, you don't they don't want really, you yeah. to know right exactly they don't want you to know how young it is right. So this says this blend of uh, malt whiskeys is an emphasis of twelve-year-old Island Scott or Island malt. On the nose, there are immediate uh, aromas of spice with hints of smoke and a trace of pepper. Warming and intim- intensifies these aromas, and the spicy peppery note is immediately apparent on the palate. Behind uh, is dominant spices, where the warming notes of stewed apples and cinnamon sticks, which develop a rich, lasting finish. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried it yet, but does that? Yeah, no. I think those tasting notes are actually very right on. Um, I do get apples and I do get cinnamon. Uh, not a whole lot on the nose, and um, it's it's a very pleasant, pleasant scotch. There's not a whole lot else for me to say about it. It's not you know. There's not anything like crazy about it. You know, I like it. It's very good, but you know, it, it's not anything that's going to blow your mind. I think you're right. Yeah, uh, it does have a nice finish. Yeah, there's uh, nothing bad about it. No, I would like a little bit more. You know, a little bit more flavor. You know, different complexities, but yeah, I'd like a little bit more pepper or something on the palate. Uh huh. But, but overall, yeah, but you know. I'm just being critical. It's right. it's a good scotch. Yeah, Juan, what do you think? I like it, but I, it was like a little building up, and the crescendo like wasn't there. But it has it has flavor. It has it a, never hit. Yeah, it, it has a good base, mm-hmm. but it like never got to that punch. Failure to launch. Yummy scale. Two yummies. Oh, See? I didn't know that there was. I thought it was just either like yummy. I had to start subdividing it. Okay. Now two yummies. Okay. Are you going to put out a pamphlet, Jim? <laughs> like maybe a key, like a a key. Check mm-hmm. our Ooh, mm. on the website. All right. Uh, something that's coming up All here right. we're gonna... before you know it, yummy you because know, we're we're what a month away from Thanksgiving, roughly two months from from Christmas. So before you know it, Excess uh, ninety is going to be starting back up, bro. January 9th. we're doing it. Um. So, Juan, are you in? I don't think we've talked to you about that. This is another... We haven't even had a chance to talk. Juan, are you in? I'm going to put you on the spot. Can you repeat that? Uh, XS90, January 9th. Mm. We'll consider. Okay. Yeah, good. I was kind of hoping to take a year off because we did it last year. <laughs> you know? It's good for but us. We good. didn't... We did, that's not just not how it worked out. Yeah, we're going to do it. And I love Exodus 90 so much. I'll do it again. Right. So, um, anyway... How's the new house? How's everything going? I haven't had a yeah, chance. Yeah, so we, did we mention it on the last show? That I think you, we just kind of in passing mentioned it. Yeah, so I moved. It was very sad. It's a very bittersweet mm-hmm. moment because, mm-hmm. you know, I still own the house across the street at the moment, right. uh, technically. Um, so we've lived across the street from each other for 10 years. 
Mm-hmm. No, nine years. Nine years. Um, well, I moved over there in 2013. I don't. It was March in 2013. Yeah, I think it was 14 or 15, early 15, maybe something. No, it yeah. was it was 14. 14. 14 yeah, uh, because it was like a week after or a month after Pamela and I got married. That's right. You guys moved in. Right. So eight years, mm-hmm. uh, and it's been just awesome. Right. You know, it's been great for our families. Um, just to have, you know, great friends, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. know, you and I, people have heard our story before, but you know, we grew up in the same neighborhood as when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's part of the reason why we're still friends today, but had five kids in what was really a three bedroom house and just needed more. So right. anyway, yeah, we moved, got a new house. Really mm-hmm. great. We love it. Not too far away. Not too far away. No, it's only 11 minutes. Yeah. But, um, so Yes. New house. I forget why you said that, but I was just asking how. Like, oh, it, the, things the are great. Yeah, it's going in. It's going, going well. You have uh, an awesome shop. Yeah, I have a shop like that. Did, in fact, I did my first woodworking project today in oh, the nice. shop. Oh, nice. What'd you build? What'd you uh, build? The floor fell out in my coop uh, the, for the nesting box. Oh, for the your chicken coop. In the chicken coop, mm-hmm. and so I had to build a new floor to put in there. Okay. It was a simple project. It's okay. Check it off the box. It only took about 15 Check minutes. Check it off the list. Yeah. Check the box. Check the box on the list. On the list, right. Yeah. But anyway, it was kind of like, yes, first woodworking project done. Nice. Yeah. Very good. Uh, so we're going to talk, like I said, we're talking talk about kingship this evening. We did, if you're a long listener of the Catholic Man Show, we did do an episode on this probably five years ago. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna re- revisit it. We'll be right back. The hosts of the Catholic Man Show have produced a practical, helpful, and spiritual uplifting book that helps parents make the connection between church and the domestic church. Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place reminds every Catholic family of their daily duties, responsibilities, and privileges to help each other become saints. That endorsement is from Father Leo Padalingha. Go check out our new book from Ascension Press. You can go to ascensionpress.com or just Google Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Pick one up for you, for your family, for your friends. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to leave a review so that way others can be made aware of the book as well. We want to thank Father Leo Padalinghug for his endorsement of our book, Living Beyond Sunday, Making Your Home a Holy Place. Welcome back. This is the Catholic Man Show with Adam Minahan and David Niles. We got Juan on the button today. <laughs> he normally has more buttons he's in charge of, but today it's just one. And he's just rocking that button. He's doing great. We're also joined by Jimbo Chris Kringle Baggins. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe people listen to this show. Have you ever put on a Santa Claus suit, Jim? <laughs> no. You should. You should consider it. Worse. You could make. You could. You could probably make a hundred dollars in an afternoon. <laughs> Cash. You know what I'm saying? Kind. Of, you don't have to report to the. You don't have to report to the IRS. I'm just kidding. Yeah. This is the Catholic Man Show. We live virtuously. We, we, we encourage. We follow the law. Mm-hmm. As everybody should. So we're talking about kingship today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, one of the main things we can just kind of like spoil a little spoiler alert. One of the main things about kingship is dominion, the idea of dominion. Okay, um, we're talking about it today because you're bapt- we're all baptized as priest, prophet, and king, right? So we're all. If you're baptized, you're a king. Congratulations. You might if you've never thought about it. Great news, you're a king. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, um, but I want to talk about Adam. If you like, have anything, and when you're like just thinking about your dominion, okay, because you know you're the father of a large, beautiful family. Is there anything that you like? You know, put your foot down about. Because I have, I have at least one or two things that's like, I say no. This, like, this is either my dom. This is my space. Or this is like my thing, and don't touch it. And I don't mean like my tools. They know like, oh, that's all my dad. Like, like they know my kids know. Don't touch the tools, right? Um, 
luckily they can't reach them very well anyway but yeah my kids know that as well but somehow they get get moved sometimes you can't find your you can't find your flathead no matter um so is there do you have anything like i I do would you let me tell you yeah what is it we're in it currently the stu the studio the studio Mm. do not go in the studio yeah my kids are not allowed into this room Mm -hmm. without my permission which is great because i have whiskey in here we have incredibly expensive equipment in here i have some of my prized books in here we have the humidor in here i definitely i'm glad you said that i forgot about i definitely have books that they are not allowed to touch right so this room is off limits yeah that's good yeah i I actually knew that but that's a (laughs) that that is a good one i have my chair at the table at the Uh, dinner table yeah at the dinner table okay the children are not allowed to sit in it it's my chair. You're not the dad. I'm the dad. This is dad's chair. You don't get to sit in my chair. Mom will let people sit in her chair. It's her chair. She can do what she wants. Okay? I'm not going to talk about whether that's a wise decision or not. All I'm saying is, like, you don't... The kids, they don't get to sit in my chair. And they want to. I'll just tell you that. They want to. Well, because you can't. And it's... there. I have multiple reasons for this. One is that I don't want my chair to be gross. Okay, <laughs> okay. this is Very one. Practical. This is one of the reasons. Okay? okay, go look at their chairs. Right, they're gross. They have stains, like from oh, I accidentally dumped my whole glass of milk onto mm-hmm. this nice chair. Right, or you know, like there's food and they just stand on their chairs and grind it. You know, whatever. It's like they're not doing it on purpose, right? But they're children and they're terribly messy. Mm-hmm. That's one. The other thing is more of like a like a respect thing. Not that I want them to respect me, but there's something inherent about like, oh. You, you definitely want your kids to respect I you. I mean, that's not why I'm doing it. I'm not like trying to be tyrannical and say, oh, you, darn it, you'll respect me. You won't touch my chair. You know, as if like I'm trying to manufacture respect, mm-hmm. you know. But there is something. I, I think it adds like, I don't know, a little bit more mystery you know, like, oh, that's dad's chair. You know, because they're not allowed to sit in it. And it kind of brings up the question, what would happen if you did? Well, you I know what there, I mean? So there's it, there's more of a paternal uh, you know, aspect to this, right? So even in the cathedral, there's a chair that only the bishop is mm-hmm. allowed to sit in. Right? That, that right. It, it doesn't mean that, oh, it's because the bishop is a, is a you know great man or a virtuous man or a, a holy man. But it's because it's his. For, it's in respect of his office. Now, hopefully, his your bishop is a good, virtuous, holy bishop. But it has nothing to do with the person. Mm-hmm. But it has everything the to office. do with the office. Mm-hmm. So it seems like that this is kind of the same principle that you're using. Like, even though you're, you know, obviously a good, holy man. I, I do my best. I try. Man. Yeah, I try. But it's more about instilling uh, the idea of there. There's an office. You know, there there are things that uh, are assigned. To, assigned to specific offices and in order to you know add a justice of that office we don't do certain things Uh uh-huh yeah no i agree i think that's a good way to put it another thing is that just because dad's eating snacks doesn't mean you get to eat snacks yeah so okay so this is very interesting we were with a a buddy a while back uh and he was he was saying his kid came up and was like hey can i have a snack i'm so glad you're telling the story I was going to tell this exact oh, okay. story well, just now. No, no, go ahead. Go I don't, I, no, I don't no, no. I just thought, just now, I was just thinking, I'm going to tell the story, go, but you go ahead. Yeah, so, so so the kid runs up and is like, hey, can I have a snack? And he goes, no, don't, no, you're not going to have a snack. Uh, and I think you said, or maybe I said, asked him, like, well, why, why did you not give him a snack? He says, I don't want to give my kid, you know, let, let my kid something do something that I, I'm not going to do myself. Right? No, in, in the, in the no I think... Or was it the, That's uh, not how I remember it. I remember him, the kid saying, Dad, did you have a second cupcake? That's right. And he said, yes, I did. And so then the That's kids right. ran it, off it excited. The they knew. Cause, and we were like, what was that? And he said, well, I, I'm not going to enforce right. something in, with my kids that I'm not willing to do myself. I had a second cupcake. So therefore, they know the rule is if Dad has a second cupcake, they can have a second cupcake. And I said, terrible rule. <laughs> Looked at him right away. Like in the face. I just like, said, nope. That's a terrible rule. And he's like, well, it's not, it's not fair. And I was like, look, they don't fast. My kids don't fast when I fast. Okay? Right. I, I fast when they don't. I feast when they don't. All right? Like, that's just the way it is when you're the dad. Okay? <laughs> look, 
you get when you're the king, you get special perks. You also have special uh, responsibilities. Yeah, dude. You know, it actually. You know, I'm sure we'll talk about this. But and I think that this is actually a really great analogy for what a real like authentic kingship is. That um, there is this idea of dominion, and there do there are special perks that come with dominion, mm-hmm. but but they cannot be separated from the very special responsibilities. Right. Yeah. So I mean, look. You know, in in the 800, 900, like the idea of a lord or, you know, the idea of the king, the reason why he was a good king was because he was generous and he was a servant to the people. Yeah. Like these are the two things that were considered to be a good king back in, back in, in, in this time period, right? It's like mm-hmm. that he was generous because the kings had all the wealth. So if the king, the kingdom had, they had a lot, the they had a lot anyway. Yeah, they had the majority of, you know. It was, min- it was not unheard of for a subject to actually have more wealth than the king. Because the king got his his wealth from taxes, whereas a lot of the lords got their wealth from industry. So it, a it, lot of the kings got, got it, it was from, it like, was very hard to be richer than the king. Yeah, because they got a lot of plunder, like but a lot of like right, war spoils. Right, like exactly. That was that was the main reason how they got a lot of their. But stuff. But the king also had like a kind of a, a large budget, you know, of right? Ongoing expenses. But I mean, the reason why is because like a good king was considered generous and and. Um, was considered, you know, a, a servant of the people. He's always thinking of the people and not right. himself. And that's actually a huge burden that a lot of people don't understand. Is like, oh, I get all this power. You know, oh, I wish I could be part of the royal family. Or, you know, I hear people talk about this all the time. It's like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, if you have that kind of power, or that kind of uh, responsibility, that is a huge weight on your shoulders mm-hmm. uh, that everything that you do reflects it ripples down it has a ripple down effect and you're going to be you're going to be held accountable for that you know sure i'm just trying to make sure i'm held accountable you know that i'm doing well for my own family that i'm going to be held accountable for much less you know a whole country or yeah. you know that would be uh, i feel insane. about being a bishop like oh man I, I got enough problems with my own soul right worrying about other people's right but yeah i uh, at least when you read the old testament the old testament idea of kingship was sig- significantly different from what you see in like the middle ages in france Right where there's all this uber notoriety and uh, almost like divine, like divine uh, origins, yeah. origins behind the king. I mean, certainly there was with David. Uh, mm-hmm. God told Samuel, "Go anoint that guy." Okay, so he was divinely chosen. Um, is that the case with all the other kings? It's like, well, all things have divine providence behind, right? You know, right? But. Um, you know, so much to the point where they're now genuflecting to the kings. Now, an interesting trivia is if you do genuflect to royalty, which you do, it's like a common uh, a practice. Left knee? You left use leg? your left knee. You yeah. use the other knee. So you only genuflect with your right knee. The right knee is reserved only for God. Okay? So just fun fact, when you genuflect, if, if you ever have to genuflect to some royalty, uh, you know, just in case you're ready, use your left knee. Mm-hmm. Um that's how you distinguish when that happens. But, you know, so it's like, you have these kings, well, why are we honoring? Oh, I don't know, because they're the king. That was it. And so they, I think kings in later times really lost the sense of, uh, like, their vocation as what it means to be king. Obviously, some fantastic uh, exceptions, you know, like St. King Louis. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were many, there were, in fact, many, many great kings. Mm-hmm. Um, Charles. Right, yeah, uh, and several that were many, many that were saints. Actually, Charles, who was married to Zeta. Yes, not. Right. I didn't want to confuse the one because there's a King Charles currently. That is true. I forget about and that I, guy. I wanted to make sure. To, yeah, distinctions are, are key here. So um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that here on the other side of the break as we actually officially get into the topic about kingship. What does it mean to be a king? Okay. Obviously, we, all, we probably should start with being baptized. We will do that. I mean, we kind of I think it's hinted at that. It's good to start at the, the beginning. It's a very good with place With the end to in start. mind. Indeed. Indubitably. We'll be right back. Think of the men in your life. Your brother, your father-in-law, your neighbor, your coworker, the guy who sits in front of you in, in mass every single Sunday. How are you going to help these guys find freedom as sons of God 
and help them start living the Christian life. I mean, that's what we're called to do in baptism, right? And one concrete way we can do that to make disciples of men is invite them to Exodus 90 that begins January 9th, 2023. Exodus 90 leads men on a 90-day journey through the book of Exodus, taking them back to the fundamentals of the faith. This is prayer, self-denial, and brotherhood. Dave, the crazy thing is 99% of the people who do Exodus 90 report greater freedom from worldly attachments when they finish. And what's more... Doing Exodus 90 in a fraternity versus going it alone can actually make or break a man's 90 days. Right. So again, ask yourself, who are the men in your life that could benefit from doing Exodus 90 this year? Think of their faces in your mind. Right now. Now, outside of your mind, write them down. Make an actual list. The worst thing they can do is say no to you. That's right. And then take action. Take the list of prayer. Ask the Holy Spirit about it and ask the Holy Spirit how you can help them. The Exodus 90 team has created a free resource. This guide will help you in your journey to freedom and help you share the journey with other men. Check out exodus90.com slash catholicmanshow to get your free guide. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. Talking about kingship today. Earlier in the program, we mentioned some of the cool things that we give for our patrons. One of the things that we actually give uh, as a thank you, is a recording, a professional audiobook recording of De Regno by St. Thomas Aquinas, which is on kingship. He wrote a whole, like, not essay, a whole uh, work on kingship. You wouldn't call it an essay? It seems like it's too long. Okay. For an essay. Yeah. Uh, and so anyway, he actually talks, interesting enough, we were talking in between segments, um, and Jim asked about the best form of government and things like that. Aquinas actually says that the best form of government is a monarchy. He also says that the worst form of government can be a monarchy. Yeah. If the man is a man, uh, if the king is a virtuous man, uh, then it's the best form of government. If the king is a tyrant, then it's the worst form of government. So take that as well. He he has a whole writing, you know, a whole work on this. And we have it in professional audiobook. I don't know anybody else who has an audiobook of this. I've looked it up. I I don't want to say that we're the only ones. But we're very one of the very few, probably. So, people, uh, I've always wondered, what's the difference between a king and, um, you know, a, like a communist leader, a dictator? And I think the difference is that the dictator owns everything. And lets you use stuff. Whereas with a king, you still have private property. Where you don't have private property with communism. Which is a huge... Private property is a huge thing. That is a huge distinction. Whether or not you get to own stuff. You know, like the the right to your own labor. I don't know if that's true I also don't know a a fact if that's true. But I think that that is conceptually the difference. Anyway. So we're talking about uh, kingship. We're talking about being a priest prophet and a king what the heck does it mean to be a king mm-hmm. uh, in, through baptism so the last time we did this we talked about all three about you know being baptized as pre- priest prophet and king today we're just going to be focusing on the kingship um, but catechism 1241 says that the anointing with sacred chrism perfume, perfumed oil consecrated by the bishop signifies the gift of the holy spirit to the newly baptized who has become a christian that is one anointed by the Holy Spirit, incorporated into Christ, who is anointed priest, prophet, and king. So uh, this is an important distinct, important thing to mention here, that we are a king because we have become, in the, we are now part of the body of Christ. Christ is king. He's he the is king the king of kings. of kings. And so we participate in his priesthood, in his prophetness, whatever that word is, prophethood, you know, that doesn't sound like a word, okay? Um, And we participated in his kingship, okay? You know, and so, like, uh, this idea of uh, theosis, where we're becoming more like God, you know, um, we are becoming more Christ-like, literally, Mm -hmm. and uh, certainly that happens um, no more drastically than at our baptism, when we are now given the gifts of the Holy Spirit to exercise these... um, these callings uh, that all Christians have, okay? So let's just talk about them briefly because we're going to come back. We're going to circle back, hopefully, at the end. So priest, Adam, what does it mean to be 
for like for you and I to be a priest because obviously we're not ordained Minister, priest yeah. ministerial priests yeah. right so yeah so what does a priest do a priest offers prayers and sacrifices uh, that is the 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 job so to speak of a priest and so when you're baptized you are you are baptized into the priesthood meaning that you're baptized into the duties of prayer and sacrifice mm-hmm so specifically as a father, what does that look like? But to offer prayers, to be the spiritual leader of your family, uh, alongside your wife, be in uh, unison, one you know, one body uh, and one mind in, in this idea of leading your family into prayer, into knowing our Lord, into loving our Lord, and then also uh, sacrificing for your family. Mm-hmm. You know, offering up uh, at least a weekly sacrifice. Um, to deny yourself for the sake of another, to will the good of the other, um, which is the definition of, of love by Aquinas. Um, you know, so that, that that's kind of like what a priest does. Right. Very good. The other one is profit. Yeah, so it's the truth-telling, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. being able to tell the truth. It's, it's In fact, that was part of the... Uh, uh, Father's homily today. Hom- yeah, Father's homily today. I was about yeah. to say, like, part of the gospel and part of part of the homily today Mm -hmm. about speaking the truth yeah so that's what a prophet does a prophet doesn't necessarily tell the future that's not what makes someone a prophet right often especially in the old testament prophets did uh predict the future you know and the 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 word prophetic has taken on a you know future telling element to it thanks a lot new age right but uh strictly speaking a prophet is simply one who who speaks the truth um and i think as i was like really kind of praying about this and meditating over like these these ideas, it occurred to me that the priest and the prophet both do something that's very similar. The priest, what does he do? He offers sacrifices. I mean, think about the Old Testament. He's offering like a cow or something. It's just interesting. He's offering something that doesn't belong to him. He doesn't own the cow, even if like legally he owns the cow. Like it's, he didn't make the cow, right? He has not, he, he can really, at the end of the day, at the end of his life, make no claim over that cow, so he's offering something that's not his own to the Lord. Um, the prophet sort of does the same thing in that he's offering the truth. Uh, he doesn't own the truth. The truth is a, is a person, right? Mm-hmm. And it's God. So it's just, there's interesting that, I was thinking about this at Mass as the priest, what he's offering, this is like the highest calling of, of the priesthood is the Mass, where what is it that you're offering? What is the sacrifice? It's Jesus, you know, and it's just mind-blowing that it's like, wait, how is it that we get to offer Jesus? You know, like, how are Back we... to the Father. Like, wait, that doesn't seem like we should be able to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, dear God, let me offer you Jesus. You know, I've got Jesus to give to you right here. Uh, but that's exactly... I mean, it's, it's important to understand that because that's the level of gift that we're talking about here at baptism. Obviously, you're not ministerial priests, you know, you know, we are in the common priesthood, we're not going to be offering the sacrifice of Christ, but this is the priesthood that we're participating in. We have a lower level of participation, but it's the same priesthood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just, it's incredible to think about that we, humanity, could offer Christ, God, mm-hmm. to the Father. I mean, it, it just is super, super mind-blowing. And even the, the prophet is doing something, you know, sort of similar when he's offering the truth, um, you know. The he, logos. Right. He's offering, once again, Christ to the word, the truth, right, just like you're saying, the logos, uh, to the rest of humanity and proclaiming him, um, neither of which they have a claim on, right? Mm. Um, and it's like, we why is it? We're participating in these other um, offices of Christ, they're his. Mm-hmm. He has dominion over mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. and he has given us a share in that dominion, okay? So it's really important, I think, to grasp the first two about, like, A, what's going on? B, what is it? Mm-hmm. You know, and then before you start thinking about what is, what is kingship, how is it that we are kings under our baptism, okay? So kingship is the ability to wield dominion or authority, okay? You know, that you would have, have given a, um, a role of governance. So, you know, I have a two-month-old, baptized. She obviously has no ability to govern. She cannot even govern her own self. Right. Um, 
but she will learn. But that doesn't mean she doesn't participate still in this governance. Right. This, this is the whole uh, beautiful thing about this uh, participation is that it's a complete gift. It has nothing to do with what you've done or what you have merited. <laughs> right. It is, a, it is a complete gift. Our Lord loves us so much that he's given us this gift to participate in his kingdom through nothing that we have done ourselves. Right. Yeah, Catholics get accused of being like, oh, you have to earn your salvation. Obviously, that's not what we teach. At, at baptism, as an infant, you receive salvation. Right. It's not because you earned it. Right. You know, you didn't. You didn't do anything, literally. You, don't even, you couldn't even do anything as an infant if you wanted. You don't even know how to want to do anything in the first place. So, yeah, it's, this is just a total gift. Mm-hmm. Um, but in this dominion, in this kingship, uh, we see this governance. Uh, we see the first two. We see the priest and the prophet really coming together. Um, it, they, with a king, has an inherent... If you're a king, well, you are a priest and a prophet. There is a priest and a prophet element of being a king. Those two build up into this kingship. Um, and the, the role of a king is to serve. Okay? Uh, that was it. Um, if you go back and you like, the best example, right, King David, like, you know, the, the best king in the Bible, um, aside from Christ. Uh, Good caveat. Right. The, the reason he was the king is because he was the defender of the people. If mm-hmm. anybody came to threaten the Israelites, David was going to ride out first. He was going to be the first one into the battle um, and so he was like, he's the chief warrior. He was the one who, def- at the end of the day, his neck was on the line first. Mm-hmm. And so he was laying his life down, if need be, w- or really when need be, because mm-hmm. um, it was something he actually did a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a lot of battling. Um, and so that's what gave him the honor and like this dignity around being a king. He was the king, well, he was king because... God told Samuel to anoint him as king, but his job as king was to serve the people, not for the people to serve him. Mm-hmm. Right. This is what we see is that when God gives certain people authority, it is never for that person, but for other people. Mm-hmm. So the same thing is like, you know, God gives a man and wife authority over their children. Is not the authority is not for it's not it's for not the to husband ma- and wife. Make, make the mom and dad feel great about how powerful they are. But it's it's for the 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 gift of the children or the, the, the benefit of the children to get them to heaven. Right. It's so that the children might be blessed. Right. Not so that the parents might be blessed. Right. Which is ultimately you know Christ was the perfect example of this. Right. So we'll keep talking on the other side of the break. For over 35 years, Select International Tours has been planning pilgrimages all across the world, and they've been doing that for a reason. Yeah, if you guys have listened to our show, then you know that we just got back from Ireland. Uh, We used Select International Tours to book our pilgrimage to Ireland. Everything went just great. It went exactly how we planned it. Right. right? In fact, one of the pilgrims uh, said that it was his the best pilgrimage he's ever been on. Right. I mean, so the thing is, they know what they're doing. If if you want to go on a nice pilgrimage uh, that's really you know oriented around experiencing the Catholic faith um, in some of the most historic, most important sites all over the world for the history of our faith, go to selectinternationaltours.com. They have pilgrimages going everywhere in the world all the time just because you know they, they do it so well, everybody wants to use them. That's right. And if you go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow, you'll be one of the first ones to know when we're planning our next pilgrimage, which spring or summer 2024. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So go to selectinternationaltours.com slash catholicmanshow. We want to thank Select International Tours for being a sponsor of our show, The Catholic Man Show. Welcome back to the Catholic Man Show. I'm David Niles here with Adam Minahan. We're talking about kingship. So we just laid out priest, prophet, and king, the importance, and really like the incredible dignity that we have as baptized Christians. It's so great to be a baptized Christian. I highly recommend. Ten out of ten recommend. Um, basically, especially those who have passed away. Yeah, they also recommend it. Like they know. Um, everything that uh, we're going to be pulling from is from the Catechism today uh, and the Bible at the very end. 
but two of my favorite books. Yeah. Um, so Catechism number 908. This is talking about our participation in Christ's kingly office. It says, By his obedience unto death, Christ communicated to his disciples the gift of royal freedom, so that they might, by the self-abnegation of a holy life, overcome the reign of sin in themselves. Okay, so this is like the first principle of how we participate, is by uh, uh, the self-abnegation of a holy life, by practicing virtue, penance, you know, living the good Christian, all the virtues, we um, first remove the reign of sin in our life. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, I think this kind of harkens back to Adam and Eve in the garden, right? That he's giving them authority over uh, not all only the animals, not only themselves, but over the garden, right, and over their uh, their environment. Um, but the important thing here is that man is first and foremost called to reign over himself. Um, This is from St. Ambrose. He says that man is rightly called a king who makes his own body an obedient subject and by governing governing himself with suitable rigor refuses to let his passions breed rebellion in his soul. For he exercises a kind of royal power over himself and because he knows how to rule his own person as king, so too does he sit as its judge. He will not let himself be imprisoned by sin or thrown headlong into wickedness. Man, I love that. That is a great quote. Yeah, I mean, and so this is something like I think is important, like whenever you are having uh, examination of conscience, and you're like saying, you're trying to figure out, where am I constantly falling? Like, what is a sin that I, I feel like mm-hmm. that I'm constantly confessing? Uh, you should be self-aware, realize that this is my, this, and like, you know, be honest with yourself. This mm-hmm. is this is where I am. This is where I am weak. Also, it's not just about that, but about and how can I be? How, where where can I excel even more? If even if I'm excelling in a certain place, because the king, he should be robed in splendor. Okay, a king is not one who simply um, like isn't covered in filth. Okay, I mean like that's kind of a standard for all humanity. The king is exemplary. Okay, so it's not... Yeah, but I, I was focused on like that last sentence where like he will not let himself be imprisoned by sin. Right, certainly. You know, so like figure out where where are you, you know, what's the main sin that is taking over your life and like figure out, okay, this is my main sin. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and then go to go to war. Mm-hmm. Go to war with totally. that sin. But it goes, prayer, it goes even sacrifice. further because he says he refused to let his passions breed rebellion in his soul. It's not just about like, oh, sin... But no, I will not let the passions even have a foothold here. Okay, right. If you think about your soul, the cleaner it is, the more brilliant and like spectacular, you know, like the more virtuous you are. The king... Dazzling. Okay, the king is not just clean and like, you know, oh, well, presentable. He's robed in gold, covered in jewels, you know, like that's who we're called to be. We're not just called as kings to be, uh, you know, free from sin. No, he's like, oh... No, maximum virtue. That's what we're talking about. That kind of splendor for your soul. Um, so, but this is, the important thing is that our primary office of kingship is governance over our own soul. When it comes to authority, you have there is nothing that you have more authority over than yourself. And he does, and we are called to use this authority and governance over ourself. Why? Because Christ communicated to his disciples this so that he might give us the gift of royal freedom, so that we might be truly free as he was. Um, the other, the other aspect of, and the importance of being able to govern yourself, right? The importance of being able to be a, a, a lord over, uh, you know, your passions, is so that you don't spend the time and energy on on yourself, but on others. It's a good point. That if you don't, if you if you don't have to waste any more time and energy on yourself, mm-hmm. you are more freely able to give yourself to others. Right. Which is what a king is supposed to do, right? Is to give himself to his country, to give himself to those who uh, he has authority over. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, be, and but you have to get yourself first because why? You cannot give what you do not have, right? Um, I know that's a cliche saying, but it is so. It is. Is it cliche? seems like it. maybe it's just in the catholic circle but it just seems like it is but it is so true 
if if anybody if I ran into somebody who was saying like that's so cliche, it's like maybe uh, maybe it's because it uh, stings a little bit when you think about it. Yeah, maybe like, so. Mm, you you a little bit afraid of that? Right. Anyway, but the the less that you have I just to worry like to about judge yourself, people. yeah, that's just why. like just fervently judge others. Which is why I'd be a great king, right? <laughs> Come here, I'd be like Solomon. Whose baby is this? Ah, we'll figure this out. Cut it in half. <laughs> Gosh, you'd be terrible. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, the more the, the more you can... I would. I would be, ter- yeah. I would be terrible. The more you can focus, uh, the less you have to focus on yourself, the more you have the time and energy to focus on others. Yeah. Um, Which is what I think St. Ambrose was talking about in that quote. Yeah. I mean, that's... That's definitely part of it. Yeah. Definitely. Um, Catechism 786 says that the people of God share in the royal office of Christ. He exercises his kingship by drawing all men to himself through his death and resurrection. Christ, King and Lord of the universe, made himself the servant of all, for he came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as ransom for many. For Christians, to reign is to serve. That, mm-hmm. That's it. I mean, that is, the, that is the key to kingship. To reign is to serve. This is what you see in King David. He is laying his life down on the line. This is what I hope you see in your parish. This, this is, is what I hope happens in your home. This is what you see on the cross. Absolutely. I mean, forget King David. Uh, you know, we, this is what we see on the cross. Um, in fact, uh, in Matthew 20, uh, Jesus says, he's calling his disciples and he says, you know that the, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and make... Over, and make they're great ones and make their authority felt, but it should not be so among you. But whoever wishes to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wishes to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So this is, you know, we know this. If you want uh, to be, if you want to be first, you need to make yourself last, right? You need to make yourself the least among everyone. Have you ever read the book Eaters, uh, uh, Leaders Eat Last? I think is what it's called. No. It's a really good book. Really? Okay. It's a good audio book. I'll consider it. It's a good audio book. I'll consider it. So, like, kind of coming back, our call to share in Christ's kingship is culminated, is the culmination of our call as priest and prophet, okay? Because the king offers a sacrifice of his life for those he's called to serve, so that's like being a priest. Yeah. Uh, Leaders eat last. I just want to make sure I had that right. Yeah. Okay, you got it. Leaders eat last. Yeah, it's a good book. Simon Sinek, great, great author. Really like him. Okay. Uh, but right, like before you interrupted me. I'm sorry, no. dude. <laughs> I interrupt you one out of every seven episodes compared to and your. You know what? I don't like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, the king is the accommodation of the the priest and the prophet. How is he? How is the king a priest? Because he offers the sacrifice of his life for those he's called to serve. How is he a, a prophet? <clears throat> he's called to use his dominion to proclaim the truth and pursue the common good. Right? So in our exercise of dominion, you know, as we're setting the rules for our house, you have an obligation to do so in a way that upholds the truth and promotes the common good, promotes justice. Um, Juan was at, you know, mentioning how like there's this element of justice mm-hmm. to a king, you know, when your kids come with a grievance you know, mom or dad has to sort it out. And there you, that's the, you know, that element of governance. Governance. Anything you want to say about this? Any thoughts before we move on? Uh, governance requires, like, instilling governance within your family it, uh, requires you to be consistent. That's the key. Word. Consistency is key when, you come, when it comes to, like, ruling, quote-unquote, ruling your family, like, you know, having order within your family. Yeah. The only way to really do that is with your wife, understanding what is acceptable, what is not acceptable, what, is our, what are our goals, what are not, what's not our goals, and then staying consistent with those. That's discipline. I mean, that's how you discipline your kids. Discipline. Discipline. Yeah. I mean, this is what uh, Father, uh, Father, Dr. Ray Grindy always talks about is like consistency consistency yeah Yeah. that's the key so i want to read from second samuel chapter 11 okay this is uh going back to king david here so it says in the spring of the year the time when kings go out to battle i think that's hilarious there's like a season like well it's spring because i put on my armor well they don't do it in winter i know but it's just funny it's like all right guys it's getting cold what do you say we uh 
you know, call timeout. We'll all come back in the spring. It's legitimate. And, you know, we'll pick up where, we'll, where we left off. You know, you'll kneel Food down. You'll kneel anyway, down. I'll have the sword. War, this ha- is- war has more to do with how to feed your army than anything. I'm just saying it's funny that there's a season for war, you know. So in the spring, the time of year when kings go out to battle, David sent Joab with his officers and all Israel with him. They ravaged the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. Ah, David remained in Jerusalem. This is That part is key. It happened late one afternoon when David rose from his couch and he was walking on the roof of the king's house that he saw... From the roof, a woman bathing. That woman was very beautiful. It was Bathsheba. This is what happens when David had a vocation and an office to be serving his people, and he was derelict. What happened? He falls into great sin. So this is a this is an analogy for us. If we if we're slack, if we're not uh, if we're sitting down on the job, you too will fail in your office as king of your family. Don't do it. Stay vigilant. This is the Catholic Man Show. We're on the Lord's team. The winning side. So raise your glass. No, you just, yeah, we just keep rolling. So I think this story is just very apropos for... Right, and is something that we all know, right, uh, is that idle hands is kind of like the devil's playground, uh-huh. like the idle like time. When you're, when you're supposed to be doing something and you're neglecting that thing and then you're kind of you know just maybe browsing the internet or you're doing something that you know like mm-hmm. you're not supposed to be doing necessarily like you right. have other things you're supposed to be doing but you're just like oh i'm just gonna kind of i'll do that later i'll just do that later you know, and you put I'm it tired, off and you, you just know. kind of uh you're supposed to be reading something you're supposed to be you know studying something and you're not doing any either one of those and you're just kind of uh uh letting acedia mm-hmm. kind of uh you know come into your life yep uh this is the time that uh the devil is like uh, this is prime time for him. Yeah, and so this is exactly like this is this is what uh, you know the Bible says that happens to David mm-hmm. is that he had a duty, which was like as we've already laid out before, is that the king is the servant of all, mm-hmm. and so the king is supposed to be the one who's the defender, the protector of of his land. He should have been on the battlefield. He should have been on the battlefield, right. and he instead did not go. And what happened when he neglected his duties, mm-hmm. but he let, uh, there was, you know, sin that was tempting him. The you flesh know, was that was tempting him. You know, I don't know, but I suspect that David was probably starting to be very comfortable as king. He was, he had, was enjoying massive success um, at this point in his career. I mean, he, he had made it. Uh, That's true. Jerusalem, yeah. Jerusalem is at peace. They are just wiping out all of their enemies. Right. Nobody can stand before Jerusalem at this point. The Israelites right. are are the top dog. He is the top dude mm-hmm. of the top dog. And so I imagine he's getting pretty comfortable. The and top dude of the top dog. That'd be a great t-shirt for you, Juan. Top dude of the top dog. Um, so I imagine he's starting to kind of you know feel a little bit like, you know what? I'm just going to say, I don't need to go. Sure, right. it's it's my job. I'm, you know, I'm the general. I'm supposed to right. be there to command the army, make sure they don't do anything wrong. But, you know, I don't need to be there. Uh, how many times have you done that as a dad? Oh, dude. So or, many. Or as a husband. Just yeah. like, how many times have you been like, yeah, that, you know, I should... I should probably, but like, you know, I don't have to do It'll be it. fine It'll, if I don't. Yeah. Nothing's going to happen. Right. Yeah. So I pray this prayer sometimes. It's a prayer to St. Joseph, and it just like freaks me out a little bit every time I pray because like, it's a little too convicting for me. Okay. But it talks about, it's a prayer to St. Joseph, like about your labor or help, you know, St. Joseph helped me with my labor. Uh, and it talks about um, avoiding vain complacency and success so baneful to the work of God. Uh, mm. You know, like that we would have, it kind of reminds me, it's like we have to keep winning. Right. You know, like... But that's true spiritually. Right. Uh, you can't ever say, oh, that's enough virtue. Right. I don't need any more. Well, I mean, even we, we talk about like uh, in what I have done and what I have failed to do. Mm-hmm. I, you know, we've talked about this on the show before, but how many times have we failed to do the right thing by, you know, acedia, by, by just like being complacent, right. by being comfortable? Uh-huh. Like when we get comfortable, man, that is the time that you should be 
raising red flags, you know, and really having a inward look at yourself. Yeah, that's why we're going to do Exodus 90 again. That's right. I think it's actually a good practice to do every year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was pretty um, comfortable doing every other year, you know? <laughs> right. But when you get when you become comfortable... But I'm willing to say yes. But that that is the time that you need to have a, a deep self-reflection yeah. of yourself and say, uh, what, what am I in charge of? You know, what am I supposed to do? What is my vocation? Mm-hmm. And how, how should I do it better? Um, Exodus what, 90 in the summer is so much easier. It has to be. The cold showers feel great, actually. <laughs> you know, <laughs> That's right. At least they do here in Oklahoma. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, so what I fail to do, I mean, that is something that I think will haunt me. Oh, yeah. Because I know that uh, the Lord has uh, wonderful plans for all of us here in this room, right? right? The Lord has wonderful plans for us all to do uh, his will to get our families to heaven, ourselves and our, and our families to heaven through his grace. Not something that we merit, you know, we've already discussed this. I think I can do it. Yeah. But uh, uh, but the times that I say like, oh, you know, I, I've already prayed. I don't have to, I don't have to pray the rosary today. You know, or I don't have to, yeah. uh, you know, say my prayers this evening. I can, I, I'm just going to go right. to bed. You're right. You don't have to say the rosary. Right. This is the free will. This you is... can you can pray zero rosaries and still go to heaven. Right. Uh, I don't recommend that. You know, it's going to be a lot better for you if you pray rosary, mm-hmm. especially Why? every day. Why? Because it's our mother's prayer. Right. And because there are uh, an incredible number of graces that we receive from praying the rosary, even badly. So, yeah, you should pray the rosary. But do you have to? No. But that's not what it's about. We want we want more. I want right. all of it. It's like when you're when you're comfortable, uh that should be a red flag again. Totally. Uh, what's ironic is that often we're the most comfortable right after our biggest battles that we've won. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, so yeah, it's yeah. like that's exactly we just true. conquer something major because right. pride sets in, right? It's like because uh, I did it. Take the foot no, off. Take like, the foot off the gas a little bit. You know, right. hey, we just yeah. had a big win. But you know, so in the, when you're at your best, you should prepare for the worst, right? There is like something. There is a, re- a truth there, though. Like, okay, uh, for instance, I was fasting. I fasted for many years every Thursday for an end to abortion. Um. And then finally Roe versus Wade came, and all of a sudden, in many states around the country, abortion was outlawed. Now, the it still is legal in many states around the country, but I let myself, on those Thursdays, during lunch, instead of fasting, for about a month, I feasted. You know, I think it was like five, five Thursdays in a row. I was like, no, not only am I eating, I am feasting today. I'm going to have dessert. And that's important, too, right? So it's like, you... You can kind of think about that as taking your foot off the gas, but it's it's not because it was intentional. So there's a difference between like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to fast today. Uh, that sounds hard. And saying, no, I'm feasting today, right? In celebration of the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So like, the feast is also a way of like, I think that you get grace from a feast, when done well. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, it's uh, obviously Peter talks about this. Y- you get obviously you get grace from fasting. Jesus himself says that. You know, some things can I mean, only be done through prayer and fasting. Ontologically higher. Right. Yeah. Ontologically. Yeah. Ont- yeah. Ontologically higher. Yeah. I think I might be betting my salvation in proper feasting. Say that again. I may be. I may be betting my salvation in proper feasting. But one, you, you can, it's you can you can't just do one. Yeah. You have In to fact, do, you have proper to do feasting both. only comes through proper fasting. Yeah, yeah. Mucho. Something to look forward to. I, I look forward to fasting one day. I mean, I'll probably do it. <laughs> so, anyway. Quit looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> Jim's over. I just, I just turn over and look, and, then, and Jim's like, I feel exposed. Don't look at me. <laughs> Avert your eyes. That's something um, a king would say, right? Anyway. So, really, like, being... You know, a king is making sure that uh, your whole family calls you Lord. My Lord. I have still been unsuccessful with that with Lady Pamela. When we were in Ireland, Actually, and she we were did at that say place. It, she did say it to me one time. When we were, at, we were in Ireland and uh, we were at that castle, we were at the dinner, and 
they're all talking, you know, they're all speaking, you know, this way. And she, like people would be walking by and they're like, my Lord, would you like me to take your cup? Would you like me to take your, your plate? And I'm like, what kind of looking around? Like, oh, yeah. Yes, I would. You know, <laughs> very well. <laughs> I want none of this. <laughs> all of that. You're getting a big tape, by the way. Yeah. I have five more. <laughs> it was really funny. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, okay, so how do you how do you exercise kingship? Like right now. Like right in this room, or just no, like no, just like, in my day to day. Like how? Yeah, tomorrow. How are you going to exercise kingship? Like what? What should we I, do? I exercise kingship at home by um, serving, like serving everyone around me, making sure that I'm putting their uh you know like vocate like m- that i'm living my vocation as well as i can right that i'm uh instructing and disciplining my children with joy mm-hmm. not out of like not begrudgingly mm-hmm. um that i'm patient that i'm humble with them that i am loving and dedicated to my wife mm-hmm. making sure that i am you know like anticipating her needs mm-hmm. um and also some, you know, through fraternal correctness, even even with my wife sometimes, I mean, that's, she needs very, very, very little, but um, that's that's part of the role of a husband, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. That's, that's that's what I do. I, I serve them, I, you know, like take care of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to work, going to work is, uh, I think, like, that's something that Jose Maria Escrava talks about all the time that, and other saints have too, that, uh, like the little way, mm-hmm. you know, that just going to work is an avenue of grace if you open yourself up to it. You have to do it the, with the right willingness, right? So you have to be willing to, to like, take the cross. Sometimes, like, crosses are force on you because that's just, like, life. And you get no grace from that because you're not, you, you're not willing to accept it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, if you take the day-to-day things like going to work and you learn to love them because you know that this is sanctifying you, Mm-hmm. It's a just a, a tremendous avenue for grace, and like that's the day to day stuff. Everything mowing the yard, fantastic. If you, if you hate it, it's an even better avenue of grace, right? If you love mowing the yard, then it's just like not as efficacious in the order of grace because it's not a cross, you know. Mm-hmm. That yeah, so that's I, what I do. Yeah, I think a lot of times and that's what I try. That's what I try right. to do. Oh, and we actually talk about this in the book, but a lot of times I think. Uh, it has to do with when, as a father and as a husband, are you uh, initiating opportunities for your family to grow? Or are you consuming the time? You know, everybody knows at, at the workplace, the guy who is actually working hard to achieve the mission of the company or the guy who is just, uh, you know, punching the clock, waiting for that five o'clock time, you know, just consuming yeah. the company's energy. Stealing pens. Yeah. St- and know. staplers. Yeah. All, all sorts of things. But as, Same guy. As a, you know, as a, as a husband and a father, like, when you get home, you typically only have about three to five, you know, or, you know, two to four hours with your, with your whole family. Mm-hmm. How are you using that time to grow as a family, to grow closer to Christ, to grow, like, just, you know, in fraternal love of one another. Yeah. Are you are you just sitting there on your phone and like you know I'm I'm you know speaking to myself here you know like am I uh, checking emails am I you know seeing what uh, the latest theologian said about X Y or Z you know I don't know or are you trying your best to maximize that time with your children with yeah. your wife for them to see the love of Christ. To see what's the most important, to have dinner together, you know, to to enjoy each other's company. Um, those are the things that I think you you should really think about, right? Because that's what you have control over. Mm-hmm. Right. No, no, that's exactly right. And th- those that's where it counts. Those are the moments. And when it's the hardest, I mean, when it's the hardest of like you you know like you know that there's email you need to be checked. You know, you know that there's something that came out that you really want to, you know, consume in some capacity. But your kid is also asking you if you can go, if they can go play with you. Yeah. 
you need to regulate your appetites. Right. And that comes for like work because a lot of times a lot of I know that a lot of guys use work as an escape from family. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it works really well because it seems like a really good excuse. Mm -hmm. But when you go before the Lord, mm -hmm. all of a sudden, it won't be. Mm -hmm. So think about that. Uh, that's one thing that I have always tried to make an effort and praise God, like, um, just naturally, you know, like, I'm very good at, like, when I'm done working, I'm just done working. You know, now I'm, now I'm at home. Right and like, I'm I'm a very low stress person, so I don't carry those things over. Mm -hmm. Right, I can just set it down and move on. Right, you know, like hey, it'll be there tomorrow. I don't know why I'm going to worry yeah. about it in that, the evening. That's a that's one of my biggest. Right, you like, and I are different in that way. Right, um, but that's it's important. You know, it's really important to do so that right you're a joyful father. Right, no, absolutely, yeah, and you're good at it too. No, it's a, you, I mean it's you might it might take more work for you, but you're you're still good at it. Yeah, it's it's a, it's tough for me constantly, but you but you, but you do it. I have a good wife. Yeah. All right. Anything else? I think that's pretty good. I have a good wife. You do have a good wife. She's awesome. You're a lucky man. I am. Hi, this is Bishop David Condorla of the Diocese of Tulsa in Oklahoma. So let us pray. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired with this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen.